I stand in solidarity with the UAW members striking for better living conditions. I planned to give this talk in Annalise Oxanian's Politics of Information class, but I decided to deliver this talk as a podcast so as not to cross the picket line. I hope that this talk will speak to the concerns and interests of UC Berkeley student workers and working people everywhere. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you to Anno for having me back to speak again. I gave a talk in this class last year, and this talk is in some ways a response to that one. That talk was called This Internet on the Ground, which I've linked back to in the transcript. And that talk discussed how I thought and think the internet should be, in a phrase more locally controlled, more bindingly tied to the will of the people who use it. And this conviction has not yet let go of me. In fact, right after giving that talk, I realized that I needed some tools to make that vision happen. So I joined DowDow, which is the subject of this talk. First. Who am I? My name is Nick Merrill. I'm a research fellow at the UC Berkeley Center for Long-Term Cybersecurity, and I'm a worker-owner of DowDow and of Juno, both of which I'll tell you more about in this talk. So let's get to it. What is DowDow? In short, DowDow is a cooperative that builds tools to help people run cooperatives. Now, what's a cooperative? Cooperatives can take many forms, so definitions can get heady, but a simple example is a worker-owned coffee shop. A regular coffee shop has an owner or owners who hold all of the voting rights over the entity, say an LLC, and tend to take the profits, that is the surplus value that the workers produce. In a cooperative model, ownership over that entity would be split among the people who work there. You can imagine more or less radical formulations of this model. For example, workers could own everything uh, and the vote to decide how to distribute the profits from the coffee shop. Workers could gain ownership slowly over their tenure. Workers could have ownership taken away if they stop working there and so on. These are all the sorts of design decisions you think about when you build a cooperative. But worker-owned businesses aren't the only type of cooperative. Cooperative grocery stores might give ownership shares to customers, allowing customers to vote on what the grocery stocks and what prices are, what to pay workers. Balancing the interests of competing groups like workers and customers is an important part of designing and managing a cooperative. Also, not all customers want to vote on every issue. California voters should feel me on this with the nonstop ballot props concerning issues I have no expertise on nor ability to judge. The ability to delegate one's vote to let someone vote on your behalf, and the ability also to revoke that privilege on a vote-by-vote -vote basis is a critical feature, especially in larger co-ops. And enabling these features, letting people make organizations that have features like these ones, that's what DowDow does. We make it easier to build organizations that have the sorts of features cooperatives need. Now, I'm not going to bore you with market research in this talk, but suffice to say that starting a co-op today is really hard and really expensive. If you want to start a proper cooperative business, you can expect to pay several thousand dollars in legal fees, often hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how complex your cooperative is and whether it functions across national borders, which is a subject we'll talk more about. Also, if, even if you're starting a small, simple co-op and you're willing to fork out a couple of grand to do it, designing a structure for that co-op is extremely error-prone. Here's an example from my life. A Berkeley-based coffee shop that recently closed its doors, I have a friend who was a worker-owner there, well, what happened? Why did it close its doors? They had a voting threshold of 100%. 
everyone needed to agree on every decision. And for a small co-op, honestly, I think that works great. Consensus can be very powerful. Now, what happens when you grow? What happens when you bring someone new on and they turn out to be a bit Machiavellian? And they manipulate those consensus rules to gridlock decision-making at the cooperative. It sounds obvious in retrospect, but by the time co-op members realize their mistake, it can be too late. Similarly, say you sell shares to your community to raise money, as a local Oakland grocery co-op did a few years back. As a co-op, you may want to know how many outstanding shares you have and what voting percentage they represent. If you have too many shares outstanding, someone can come around, knock on doors, and buy up shares and end up with a controlling stake in your co-op. As someone who runs a co-op, you typically want to know if this is possible, what that so-called economic cost of control might be for your business. Our tools help you keep track of things like that. And those are just two examples of the kinds of factors co-ops need to keep track of. What's voting quorum? If you set it too high and too many shares are outstanding, you may be unable to vote on anything, which means people don't get paid and nothing gets done. Again, we design tools that make it easier to design cooperatives that work. And this is where this talk starts to converge on notions of the internet. I believe that the tools we're building with DowDow can do more than run traditional cooperatives. I believe DowDow can help run cooperative platforms, alternatives to tech companies. Imagine a version of Uber that's owned by the drivers and passengers. Imagine a version of Google that's owned by the engineers and users. Imagine data unions or data cooperatives who work together to negotiate on a price for people's personal data. We expect DowDow to help make all of these cooperative forms possible in a way that they simply are not today. But we start small. We, DowDow, are a worker-owned software company. We build tools to manage a worker-owned company like ours. And we run our business with those very tools. We use the tools we build to manage ourselves. DowDow runs on DowDow. Now, you're probably asking yourself, how do we plan to make money? After all, we're an open source project. All of our software is freely available under a permissive license. And the shorter answer is share swaps. Now, I'll note briefly, we haven't actually done this yet, but we're just about to, so the mechanism that we're about to test is what I'll tell you about today. Here's the principle. We find a cooperative, ideally one that already has some business, some good activity. We talk to them and see if they're interested in using our tools. Typically, the answer is yes, but they need some help getting it set up. So in exchange for us helping them, we swap our shares for their shares. Their shares, hopefully, are worth something, and we can sell them to pay our contributors. Our shares give them control over DowDow. They earn a say in the tools they use to run their cooperative. So we're a co-op that builds co-op tooling, and the co-op is run by the co-ops that use it. That's the eventual dream of DowDow. Now, how do we do it? How does DowDow work? Well, before I answer that question, who has heard of blockchains? Okay, who's ready to slam their laptop shut just at the mention of the word? Do you hate blockchains? If not them, what they represent, or the people who are really into them? Okay, to, to the people who felt something at the mention of that word, I feel you. I'm gonna tell you why we decided to use blockchains for DowDow. And before I do, let me reveal to you, I am a deeply ideological person, but not about blockchains. I believe people should have control over their everyday lives, and I view cooperative ownership, ownership over the place you work, over the businesses you patronize, over the schools you learn at, 
as an important component of returning that control to people, specifically to more people than currently enjoy that control, to the people who live at the mercy of institutions and organizations of all scales in which they have no say. I could give a fuck about a database technology. I do what works, and that is it. So let me start with how I want DAODAO to work. Here are the critical properties I care about. First, co-ops shouldn't need to run their own software. They shouldn't need to have anyone on staff with technical expertise. Second, co-op members shouldn't be able to steal from the till. No member should be able to cheat the other members, manipulate accounts, manipulate the rules by which accounts update, or manipulate the rules by which those rules can change. Third, moving money should be easy. Co-ops should be able to send and receive money from anyone to anyone. Fourth, starting a co-op should be as close to free as your jurisdiction allows. Fifth, no third party should stand between you and your cooperative. No one should be able to turn your co-op off, for example. And fifth, the rules and the rules by which those rules can change should be verifiable to all participants. Say we don't use a blockchain. We decide to use a regular centralized database like Postgres and we build a regular Web2 app. If we do that, we have to either host it ourselves or make you host it. All right, let's say we host it ourselves. In that world, you don't need to run your own software. Great. Also, we can assure no one steals from the till, as long as you trust us. Moving money? Yeah, we can work with payment processors and make that easy, although it would cost us money and we need to charge you. In fact, hosting this stuff will cost something for someone, and that means we have to get money from somewhere, and that creates a problem for our low-cost imperative. We become a SaaS company. Effectively, we extract rent, or worse, we become incented to get shares of cooperatives, hoping that those shares will go up in value later, which makes us a cooperative venture capitalist, and that is not a prospect that jolts me out of bed in the morning with excitement. More importantly, the SaaS version of DowDow puts a party, us, between you and your business. We could turn your co-op off, for example, if a court in your country made us do so. And finally, us hosting software makes it impossible for you to verify that your co-op is working the way you intended it to. Now let's say you host it. This is good in the sense that there's no third party between you and your business for some value of you. Someone needs to run this thing, which adds technical complexity and is intrinsically exclusionary of the non-tech literate. It also incurs costs for them as they now need to pay for the hosting, and their payment processor will probably charge them too, so that hurts our low-cost imperative. It also allows those co-op members who are tech literate to steal from the till. The people who run that software now have an ability to steal that the other members do not have. And finally, the tech literate members of the co-op may be able to verify the rules work, but only those members who have access to the deployment. Everyone else cannot verify, no matter how tech literate they are, that the co-op will adhere to the rules stated. And that brings us to running a co-op on a blockchain. First, I owe you an explanation, what is a blockchain? Blockchains are public databases that make the most adversarial, pessimistic possible assumptions about the parties that provision them. Specifically, blockchains provide the capacity to run multiple versions of a shared ledger, effectively a state machine, across multiple parties, even when some of those parties have an incentive to manipulate the ledger or the rules by which that ledger is updated. Now for co-ops that live on a blockchain, we can actually make it so that co-op members don't need to run their own software. 
they can interact with the decentralized application from their web browser, and they'll just need a phone app or a browser plugin. And starting a co-op here would be free. And for now, it's as close to free as it can be thanks to low network fees on Juno, which I'll discuss in a moment. Also, no third party stands in your way. No one can turn your co-op off. And the members can verify the way the rules work by examining the smart contracts. Of course, you will need, you would need some technical expertise to understand those smart contracts. So I conservatively award that property with the yellow on those technical skills required. Now I made a chart of the trade-offs between these different scenarios, which you can see in the transcript. So of the options available, us hosting it for you, you hosting it for yourself, and running the tools on a blockchain, we believe blockchains are simply the best option available to us given the properties we want our co-ops to have. That's why we built co-ops in the form of decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs. We are a DAO that builds DAOs. That's why we're called DAODAO. And we're also fans of the Dao De Ching, and our logo is a nod to that. I recommend Ursula K. Le Guin's translation of that book. So what are DAOs? DAOs are cooperatively run organizations that are democratically controlled by their members. Coordinated on a blockchain via smart contracts, basically on-chain code, the rules of the organization and the rules by which those rules can change are cryptographically assured. Optionally, DAOs can use governance tokens to create transferable voting rights, similar to shares in a company. DAOs are compelling as a co-op implementation because the smart contracts provide automatic accounting, the blockchain prevents members from manipulating those accounts, no stealing from the till. Their digital form allows flexible cross-border coordination. They do not necessarily require a legal team to scale internationally. And for regulators or tax authorities, the blockchain gives them a publicly inspectable state. They don't require an accounting team to audit them. So that's how DowDow works. And by now, I've told you what DowDow is, what problems it aims to solve, and roughly how we decided to solve those problems. I've also told you how we expect to make money. What I described as share swaps earlier are, in fact, token swaps. We swap our DAO's governance token for theirs. In fact, our first token swap is set to be with the very platform we're built on top of, a cooperatively owned computing platform called Juno. Juno is a DAO that provides compute resources for developers who want to build applications. You can think of Juno as a worker-owned alternative to Amazon's AWS, where AWS charges you for their server time, think running a website or a database. Juno provides analogous services. Using Juno as the backend for your application can be considerably cheaper than hosting an application with equivalent functionality on AWS. And our insistence on Rust as a programming language tends to produce safer and more reliable code. As a bonus, because we run a chain, developers can provide assurances to users about the code they run. Consider, what code runs on Uber's backend when you call a car? Does it discriminate based on pickup location or drop-off location? They cannot prove to you that it doesn't. With Juno, both users and developers can see and verify the code that they're interacting with. Not saying everyone has the capacity to do that, but at least some expert could and tell the rest of us. That's not to say that Juno is strictly better than AWS, by the way. AWS and Juno have different technological affordances and they're well suited to different kinds of applications. Juno is, I believe, the best way to develop Web3 applications today. It's also worker-owned. It has received no venture capital backing whatsoever. 
Now, after we do this token swap, DowDow will be a co-op that runs on top of another co-op, and that co-op will also run DowDow. It's co-ops all the way down. And this state of affairs brings me to an interesting point, and really to the reason why I come to you today. Do you remember the kids game where everyone jumps simultaneously while holding a parachute? If you all jump at once, the teacher says, you'll all float down together. The lesson of this game is that some initial coordination can create a common good. Hold this image in your mind for now. I've written in more detail about the why and how of all of this in a blog post titled Interchain. And I'd recommend that post to gain a finer grained appreciation for what I'm about to say. In a world in which DAOs exist across multiple chains, the aggregate of partially overlapping chain usage creates a mesh, a network of DAOs that share an interest in the security of all the chains in the network. Patterns of demand across populations of organizations create a mesh of mutual interreliance, where securing one another economically and through governance is a shared goal. This is the vision of the interchain. Now, let's imagine DowDow in an interchain world. In that world, a world where people are using DowDow to build co-ops and coordinate those co-ops activity across many chains, DowDow becomes a mesh governance protocol a protocol for coordinating governance over the mesh, over the computational resources upon which that mesh relies. We see hints of that world in the DowDow Juno token swap. The people who build the software own the computational resources on which that software relies and vice versa. I mentioned earlier the image of a parachute game. The lesson of that story, that upfront coordination can yield a self-sustaining reaction, is the essence of my theory of the interchain. Initial emergent coordination can, like the genesis of life from the primordial soup, give rise to a stable, competitive, anti-fragile ecosystem. Guided by governance, the tools that provision coordination could too become self-sustaining themselves coordinating at the highest level to form a self-regulating, in the cybernetic sense, economic union. And this observation brings us to a critical term, regulation. We need regulation. Life depends on regulation. Things that regulate themselves live. Lao Tzu would have something to say about this. Now, how does our economy regulate itself today? Our economy uses formal systems, preferring and rewarding opacity within the processing centers, firms, which leads to unpredictability and confounds effective regulation. I will not opine on whether Web3 will or can make a better, that is more just, more ecologically bounded financial system or economy or society. I do believe Web3 could create a safer and more predictable means of coordinating economic activity, one more organic, emergent, and shock-resistant. I think some states, though maybe not all states, will end up rolling out central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs, to replace their paper monetary systems. 
Today, state-run or fiat currency systems use a mix of electronic records and paper to track economic flows across separate balance sheets. These balance sheets are not currently linked to one another by any single system. And even those systems that do exist, like SWIFT, do not capture balance sheets or any other internal firm state after the transaction takes place. In contrast, CBDCs could create a publicly transparent record of money in circulation and with some cryptographic trickery can even provide bounded constraints on banking privacy. Whether or not you or I or anyone personally wants to use a CBDC, we can probably all agree that they would make tax authorities' jobs easier. Those tax authorities can see how much money everyone sent and received. It would also be good for law enforcement, who can more effectively crack down on money laundering. Remember, immutable blockchains are not a good way to launder money. I asked a federal prosecutor and an IRS enforcement agent off the record one time whether they preferred to pursue blockchain cases or cash cases. They both agreed they take a blockchain case any day of the week. It's actually hard for me to think of a better system for enabling money laundering or tax evasion than a paper cash system. I think states understand the benefits of a central bank digital currency. What I think states do not yet fully appreciate is the potential for better, that is, more fine-grained and more predictable, financial regulation. By regulation, I specifically mean the assurance of a stable and predictable economy subject to certain constraints. Central bank constraints today include the dual mandate of high employment and acceptable inflation. Plausible constraints may also include maximum acceptable inequality or ecological limits. A regulator, in this sense, is happy when it finds reasonable assurance that its system will continue existing within the specified constraints. In the latest crypto crash, we saw DeFi protocols built around cybernetic regulators survive. The institutions that failed were the institutions that did not have cybernetic regulation, like Celsius, Galaxy, Three Arrows Capital, FTX most recently and famously. Those institutions did not have inbuilt control systems for maintaining their stability, and they lost their stability when the world turned. In contrast, AVE and many other protocols are built to withstand stochastic pressures, and in the last crash, did. In the realm of stablecoins specifically, Terra's Fed-like model perished, while Maker's algorithmic model briefly depegged and then returned to equilibrium. These are examples of control systems making better regulation, engendering more predictability within firms. A mesh protocol that coordinates DAOs could, that is, have the opportunity to, do this sort of cybernetic regulation, but across firms. They could regulate on a whole market or ecosystem-wide basis. The result of that capacity could be, first, a more stable, predictable, or at least inspectable economic system in the whole, and second, a more locally driven, flexible, and naturally occurring, a naturally emerging form of regulation in which the cooperatives cooperate to regulate themselves. First, on the notion that a DAO-wide economy is amenable to more fine-grained regulation. Bashing on economics has become a bit of a hobby horse for non-economists lately. My attitude in a phrase is that today's economics is an example of a societal-level risk management strategy. Today's economics is likely not the apex of all economical thinking. I believe a control system's understanding of regulation clarifies the vision of what an economics is supposed to achieve. 
In the language of Zargam and Shorsh's general dynamical systems, regulation might be successful when it finds a global asymptotically stable equilibrium among the aggregate of all entities in its area of economic concern. In a phrase, generalized dynamical systems, or GDS, is a way of thinking about whether complex systems are likely to achieve their objective functions in a dynamic and often unpredictable environment. I expect these and probably other mathematical and analytical tools will end up reforming economics in a way that allows it to deal with a more multifaceted and complex world, and to do so in a more predictable way, if the regulator has sufficient visibility inside of and across firms. It is this within and between firm visibility that an economy of DAOs could provide. Second. On the notion that an economy of DAOs can engender a more locally driven, flexible, and emergent vision of regulation. To describe this vision, one articulated by Murray Bookchin, E.F. Schumacher, and many others, I will slightly abuse a quote from Theodore Rossack, tiptoeing around a few words that I believe obfuscate more than they clarify. What these thinkers propose is a political economy that distinguishes from orthodox socialism and capitalism by insisting that the scale of organization must be treated as an independent and primary problem. The tradition, while closely affiliated with socialist values, nonetheless prefers mixed to pure economic systems. It is therefore hospitable to many forms of free enterprise and private ownership, provided always that the size of the private enterprise is not so large as to divorce ownership from personal involvement, which is, of course, now the rule in most of the world's administered capitalisms. Bigness is the nemesis. The puzzle becomes, what does regulation look like in such a system? How can a system in which bigness is opposed on all grounds possibly regulate at the scope and level of a whole economy, indeed a whole world? The answer I propose is a democratic agreement among cooperatives on certain goals for the economic system. For example, low inequality consistent with both full rights and environmental limits. By confederating around these shared goals, cooperatives can consent to shared regulation, one that itself works verifiably across all cooperatives. One word, self-regulating, captures for me both the cybernetic and anti-coercive meanings of this vision. This vision has transnational aspirations. And a mesh governance protocol, perhaps some future version of DAO-DAO, could be the thing that coordinates it. I see the interchain as the beginnings of that system. It is already a set of transnational cooperatives linked in a loose confederated association. Once DowDow performs a few token swaps across a few chains, the world's first mesh governance protocol will be born. DowDow will coordinate and structure activity across cooperatives, themselves scattered across many chains. Through the cooperatives increasing ownership over DowDow, those co-ops will someday convene as DowDow and find themselves facing only one another they will be left in a body that serves only to allow them to coordinate amongst each other, to compete, and it's important to compete, but more importantly, to cooperate, agreeing upon the rules under which competition can occur. 
the composition of that body will determine how its economy works. A beautiful dream. But what does this have to do with the internet? Or as I, borrowing from Paul Dorish, call it, this internet. You'll know from my prior talk, This Internet on the Ground, I believe this internet should be returned to local control. In particular, I think control over the internet should return to autonomous systems, the atomic units that make up the internet we live with today. These autonomous systems, I believe, could be cooperatively run, instantiated as DAOs. I describe that vision in the Seven Park blog series I link to in the transcript. What I discover through that series is that this vision, this internet, made locally through cooperatively run autonomous systems, is not just a cooperatively run internet, but the basis for cooperatively run governments. It is a socio-technical sketch for a new model of small-scale mutualism. You can find that seven-part blog series in the transcript. Thank you for your time, and thank you to Anno for having me in this class again. If you want to follow or support my work, subscribe to my newsletter on else.how, and delegate to me on Juno. You can see more at else.how slash about.